What's going on? All right. Since the last time we came at y'all, Friars have been pretty busy. Actually, the <laughs> busiest team in college basketball. Um, Coach Cooley and his staff have, they, they've done it again, guys. And um, it's been an incredible past few weeks in terms of the news on the five guys coming in. So Matt and I, we're going to update you on those five new guys, uh, you know, the kind of roles that they'll play. And, you know, these are five impact guys. These are five guys that are going to be playing from day one. So very exciting time in Friartown. Let's go. What's up, everybody? Welcome to episode 19 of the Friar Town Pod. This is our second episode of the off season. Uh, Nick Carrero here with my co-host Matt Shaker. Last pod we came at you guys just, you know, recapping the season and talking about, you know, what the Friars roster could potentially look like this upcoming season, right? In terms of, um, you know. Transfers coming in, coming out. We Personnel. Already, yeah, we already had some news at that point, right? Like, we already had, you know, the AJ and the Manaya news and the crease leaving, which um, he has uh, committed to St. Joe's. Have fun in the A-10, my friend. And, uh, well, we, <laughs> we have a lot more news since then, don't we, Matt? What's going on, man? Oh, boy, has it been a, a busy couple of weeks. Oh, yeah. And thank God, you know, it's been all for the better. For sure, yeah. A lot of anticipation. Um, obviously, there's been some big names floating around there for weeks. Um, you know, we had a batch of guys a couple of weeks ago commit, and then this past weekend, you know, just another huge weekend for the program. Uh, five, Even larger, I think. Total. You know, this past weekend put them over the top. Yeah. They made them the favorite in the in- – you know, with Jay Wright leaving, favorite in the Big East. Yeah, another piece of big news, Jay Wright leaving. Uh, that was a shock. I don't really think anybody saw that coming. Uh, he kept that news under wraps for a while now because obviously people in the program knew about it as players and, you know, just people at Villanova. And, wow, that was shocking. It makes Ed Cooley the longest tenured Big East coach now, which is – that's right, the longest tenured Big East coach. Yeah. Uh, only McDermott has been a head coach longer. Of course, you know, he hasn't been in – Creighton hasn't been in the Big East as long as PC has. So he started his tenure outside of the Big East. That is McDermott. Yeah. So let's get into the first group of guys from a, about two weeks ago. Um, Friars had three commits – in a weekend span, basically. I think it started on, like, Friday into a Saturday or something and kind of just, like, bang, bang, bang. Um, so I don't remember the exact order that they committed in. I know two of them were on the same day, but we'll start with Noah Locke, um, a guy that's been in the eyes of Providence for a while now, former top one. Six years. Yeah. Essentially all the guys. I think four out of the five were – top 100 recruits in their class, if I'm not wrong. Maybe three, but um, yeah, Noah Locke. Noah Locke was top 100. I believe Noah Locke was top. He was top 75 for sure. He might have been top 50. He might have been high 40s. He was a four-star recruit. Yeah, according to the recruiting index, um, this is just from you know college basketball reference. He was 77 in the class of 2018. 2018, he was a freshman at Florida. He spent three years there. And then last year, um, for his fourth year as a senior, he was a Louisville Cardinal. So he entered the transfer portal for the second time, decided, you know what? I'm going to play my last year for Mr. Ed Cooley and a great get for the Friars. You know, what can you tell us about him, Matt? I mean, you're looking at a pure shooter. 
You know, I mean, you're looking at a guy that can get to the basket. He's a pure shooter. Um, I mean, he's spent a couple of years at Florida. Locke spent a couple of years at Florida. Um, shot the lights out. He's about a 40% three-point shooter for his career. Tremendous shooter. Um, tremendous talent. You know, he's only 6'3", but he can bat. I've seen him back guys down. You know, he's a, he's a true wing, to say the least. You know, he's not really a ball handler. Uh, he's smaller than Reeves, but a more consistent shooter. A little better lateral quickness, which will help him on, de- on defense. You know, a great pickup. You know, uh, Locke's a guy that PC was going after out of high school and hard, and he was a priority for Cooley. And Cooley missed out on him just barely when he went to Florida. And then, of course, he entered the portal, the transfer portal, prior to last season, and PC was hard after him again. And Cooley, once again, just fell short, just the runner-up again. And he went to Louisville. Of course, as we all know, Louisville was complete. You know, that that was a whole situation itself. Um, and he wound up transferring again. And this time, Coach Cooley landed uh, his prized man and. Uh, you know, I, I couldn't be happy with that pickup. He's a great role player. He's a perfect fit on a fire team that needs shooting. Yeah. Um, I like the Reeves comparison because I was looking at both their career numbers. And um, AJ for his career shot 38% from field goal. Um, Locke, 39%. From three-point, AJ was 36%. Locke is 39%. And from free throws, AJ 76%, Locke 75%. So very almost identical, honestly. Even if you look at points per game, like Locke's 10 points a game, two and a half rebounds for his career. AJ is nine points, three rebounds for his career. Like just very, very similar across the board. No. Just like AJ. He's essentially your AJ replacement. Yeah. Yep. For his career, shoots six threes a game. Uh, last year was his worst year actually shooting the three. He only shot at 34%, but the years prior, he shot 40, 43, 38. So um, you'd expect that number to probably go up from that 34. But yeah, he only shoots three two-pointers a game. I'm sure a lot of those are just kind of layups, fast breaks, kind of stuff like that. He only barely gets to the free throw line. I mean, for his career, he only averages one free throw attempt a game. So... And, you know, that's similar to AJ as well. So, yeah, going to fill a very similar role. Oh, absolutely. You know, I, I love the pickup. You needed the shooter. You went out and you got the shooter. You can't be any more happy than you are with that pickup. You know, yeah. he's one of the best shooters in college basketball. How can you argue? You can't. Yeah, and – um just adds experience because you know when you think about especially the recruiting class last year right like you get a transfer class um you get some fifth year guys you know you're getting a lot of experience and you know in this class not so much i mean you have three guys that have essentially spent one year in college so far and you know noah's gonna be um him him and more are going to be the elders of this transfer class, the, you know, experienced guys. So let's get to more now. Um, the biggest guy that they got, 6'10", 220. Um, fr- from LaSalle, he spent his first two years at Indiana, redshirted a year, played two more years at LaSalle. Um, had a career, career year last year, high in points. He averaged 13 points, six rebounds, was also a career high, and three blocks at 2.8 blocks a game which is crazy crazy because his career high prior to that was 1.4 the year before so he literally doubled his blocks output on a per he played more minutes too you know the per games can be a little skewed in terms of what how a guy actually is in terms of being effective minutes you know um, that's that film is very important i actually watched that's very important. And what I, one thing I can tell you about him is his work in the post, tremendous. He's a better 
a very good passer. Um, he can actually step out a little bit and, and take the three. I mean, he's not Noah Harkler from three right now anyways. You know, I'm sure that's going to be a, a part of his game that he's going to really concentrate on throughout the offseason, and we'll see what happens. But, I mean, he's capable of stepping out and hitting that shot. And like you said, he's a tremendous shocker. He's one of the best shot in college, and he adds rebounding both sides of the ball. You can't be any happier with Clifton Moore coming to PC. You just can't. He's been tremendous. He spent the year at LaSalle, uh, that redshirt year at LaSalle was Ed Croswell's final year at LaSalle. So he, even though he didn't play with Croswell on the court in games, he practiced with him every day. And it was kind of funny, too, because the starting center uh, for LaSalle was Croswell. PC got him. The guy that replaced him was Moore. That was the last two starting centers PC had on their roster. Two very different types of players, I'd say. Moore's a little taller. Probably a little better post player. Maybe, you know, definitely a better shooter. He's not a bad foul shooter for his career. And, you know, Croswell's more of an inside guy. But, you know, what this is going to allow him to do is, well, it's going to give him some options here. Because it's going to allow them to play both Moore and Croswell together because their styles are a little different. It'll also allow them to play Raphael Castro with either one. And it'll allow them to play Bryce Hopkins at the four with either one, who is the next guy we're going to get into. It gives them a lot of options. Um, it, he's, he's a critical pickup for this team moving forward. You know, he's only got that, well, that one year of eligibility, but I expect him to have a monster season. Yeah. Oh, definitely. It seems that um, with him, and he's just able to spread the floor a lot more. I mean, he shot, he averaged two, three point attempts a game last year, which is, you know, for a 6'10 guy. I mean, he only shoots at 25%. Which is, you know, okay, he's 27 for his career. That's fine. I mean, you bump that thing up to 30%, and I feel perfectly okay with him taking a good look from three. Free throw, you mentioned. Uh, he had a career high, almost four attempts a game last year. He shot 72% from the free throw line. I You'll mean, take that from a big guy. Oh, hell yeah. Yeah, for sure. Thousand percent. So, yeah, great pickup there. Uh the only big, well, I mean, the biggest guy that PC gets in that class. And then the third guy from that first weekend, uh, Devin Carter. Another former oh, top man. from South Carolina. You Car- want to talk about a guy that just is an athlete. Go ahead. Sorry. I yeah, just... no, you're good, man. I mean, SEC all-freshman team, and he only, he didn't even average 19 minutes a game. So that's just all you got to know. I mean, in less than 19 minutes a game, he averaged nine points, four rebounds, two assists. So. You get that number up, you know, towards 30 minute per game, a starter's workload. And he's averaging close to 20 points per game. Yeah. I mean, he's going to be doing, you know, 15 points a game. I mean, he, for a 6'3 guy who's, you know, not, he's listed at 188, um, to be averaging four rebounds a game in less than 20 minutes of action is, you, you can rebound very well for your size. So, and I, I was seeing, I forgot. I sent you it. I forgot the account. I'm really bad at this, like when citing accounts here on the uh, pod. It's it's a Big East account. I forgot exactly what it is, but um, he does like little film breakdowns, and he was doing it of Devin Carter, and you know, just some great video on him. Definitely a high motor defensive guy, and um, kind of does a little bit of everything for you, defensively and offensively. And like I said, for a guy that size to rebound as well as he does, I mean, that's huge. Yeah. I mean, Devin Carter is essentially your Durham replacement. I mean, he got to the line at, what was it, the 18th most in terms of – he had the 18th highest percentage of getting to the line per minute in the country last year as a freshman. Like you said, he averaged over nine points per game in 18 minutes per game. That's what he is. He's a guy that's going to be a penetrator. He's going to get to the line. He's going to be able to finish at the basket. Uh, I would definitely look for this kid to step in, start – day one as the primary ball handler. And I know I've conversed with some people over Twitter. And, you know, a lot of everybody thinks that Bynum's going to be starting. I'm telling you right now, he might start day one, but he's not going to be the starter for the season. Because Cooley loves, loves, loves having him off the bench. He's the spark off the bench. 
And Carter is it's essentially the same fit as it was with Durham. And like we saw last year, Bynum actually played more minutes off the bench than he uh, per game off the bench than he does at starter last year. And he was rested for the end of games for the prime moments. And time and time again, we saw Jared Bynum carry that team in the moment. We're going to see that again this year. He's a steadying presence to come off the bench. He can score. He can pass. Well, we know he's a phenomenal passer. And we know based on his pass here, he can score at will for the most part when he wants to. You know, he's, he's a tremendous little player. And um, you know, we're very lucky to have him. And I think that Devin Carter is going to be a great fit next to him. Yeah, I mean, just because Bynum comes off the bench, you know, he still plays like a starter's workload, you know what I mean? So I think it's great for him to come off with that second unit, and we'll see how it all plays out. Like you said, I mean, it might just almost be like a out of respect thing, like, hey, you've kind of like been here the longest, like we'll start you now, but you're right. I mean, I can certainly see it end up being. At the end of the day, though, it's, it's not really a respect thing. It's about how you're going to win. No, yeah, exactly. I you mean, know, at the end of the day, Ed Cooley's here to win games, and he's constructing this team to win games. Of course. And Bynum's the type of person that accepted the bench role. He's not somebody that's going to cause a locker room issue. He's mm-hmm. a good guy. He's a good man. You know, you, you, there's a lot of guys in college. They're going to go, and they're going to cry, and they're going to whine. Oh, I got to come off the bench? Come on, coach. That's not him. He's a team player. He's a role model. That's what he is. Go ahead. Sorry. Yeah, no, you're good. No, I know. I'm just saying, you know, game one against whoever the hell, you know, Sacred Heart or whatever. I just, uh, I'm, I'm just gonna assume Jared Bynum's in the starting lineup. I mean, I, I wouldn't be surprised if you see a one, two, three, eventually of you know, Carter Lock, you know, even Hopkins starting at the three, you know, and Bynum coming off the bench, but just uh clean up here on Carter. You're right. I mean, he got to the free throw line about four times a game. He shot it at almost 70%. Um, He shoots a couple threes a game. He only, you know, he averaged two a game, shot that 27%. You know, that's not going to really be a huge point of emphasis on his game. So Right. So my understanding in terms of shooting is when he was in high school, he was a knockdown shooter. He's just going to work on getting his shot off a little bit quicker. Yeah. With that being said, I mean, he is the Durham replacement. I mean, that statistic, you know, 18th in the country as a freshman, getting to the line per minute, you know, that's that's off the charts. That's his role. That's what Al was last year. That's what he's going to be this year and as long as we're in the fire. Yeah. I mean, and he's also a lockdown defender at that point. When you, when you look at it, I mean, if he was playing the 35 minutes a game that I was playing last year. I mean, you're almost, you know, doubling that four times, you know, to the line per game average. And that would, you'd be attempting more free throws than Al at that point, you know, in terms of like averages, how they would play out. So you're right. I mean, he's a do everything kind of guy and a just phenomenal get, like I said, SEC freshman, all freshman team. And he has three years of eligibility. Mm Mm-hmm. You love it. All right. Next, the fourth guy that came in this past, what, Saturday was it? The first, I, I, I remember who tweeted this one, John Santa. The first intra transfer in the Big East. The first guy to transfer from one Big East team to another Big East team. Corey Lloyd, the junior, junior, junior version of Corey Floyd. Of course, his father played for. Pete went to junior college and then transferred to PC and was on the team. I believe he graduated in 92. <clears throat> Played two years at PC. The, yeah, he came from Juco. You know, I and mean, Corey Floyd Jr. is supposed to be – well, I'll, I'll let you go ahead first. No, you're good, man. I was just going to say, you know, he, had, he didn't play at all for UConn this year. He was uh, red-shirted and, you know, I'm pretty sure he was another – top hundred guy if not right on the cusp of it and um Corey Floyd was yeah he was a four star yeah like like you said um 
well, we were talking it prior to recording here. I mean, he's just, he's young. He's young for his class. Um, so he enrolled in college early. Yeah. With yes, he was 17. He just turned 18 in January. So he's 18 years old. I mean, he's, he's at the age right now where a lot of kids are graduating from high school. And two years away, when you consider kids going to prep school after high school, from where a lot of kids are that are going Division One, and he's already already has a, a year of experience within a Division One program. Now here's here's a little rundown on him. This kid can fly out the score. He can shoot the ball. He can get to the basket. And he's about six four with a wide, broad build. He's powerful. I'm telling you right now, this kid has the makings to be an absolute monster for PC, to be able to guard and play three positions all at a high level. He's going to be a critical part of this team, not just for this season, but moving forward. He's the real deal. Yeah, huge get. And um, it's just... It just feels a little bit nicer that he comes from, you know, the state over, if you know what I mean. Um, oh, of course. <laughs> of course. Adds, it just adds a little bit to the, uh, to the, to the Twitter, the Twitter dubs that you take from uh, Husky, the Husky people. Oh, of course. Yeah, I can't, I can't stand it. <laughs> Cannot stand it. <laughs> so, hey, listen, I mean, they don't. They don't. They don't. They don't have uh, much to brag about, especially since re-entering the Big East, at least over us for now. So this kind of just adds on to it. And then, absolutely, the day after the Floyd news comes out, PC. Um, I think I read that this is the second highest ranked recruit to ever commit to PC um, in the Cooley era. The only other one higher being Chris Dunn. I'm sorry, you you mean the third highest? The third highest, who who was? Behind uh, Ricky Lito, who was one, and Chris Dunn, who was two. Oh, okay. Lito was one. I don't know. I, what I read said two, so it didn't refer to Lito. Well, he'll be the – well, that's probably because Ricky Lito never played in a game at Providence. But he did commit to Providence. He was on campus. And before he could ever get in a game, he declared from draft. So and Bryce, was drafted and played in the NBA for the New York Knicks. Yeah. Bryce Hopkins comes over from Kentucky. 6'6", 220. Um, didn't really play too much for Kentucky this year. He got into 28 games, but he only played, you know, six and a half minutes. And, you know, wasn't playing in the big games. Wasn't playing in, you know, the conference games, really. Um, but according to the recruiting index, I mean, number 33 overall last year in last year's class and um, just such a such a huge get it was almost kind of like that you know missing piece right I mean because they got at that point they had four guys transfer in you know three of them guards you know six three six four guys you get the big guy and more but you kind of wanted that wing and um that wing that could also play a little bit bigger, I guess. Six six, same height as AJ Reeves, and uh, just just a huge get, huge get. We we heard the rumblings right for like a long time now, not a long time, but for weeks, ever since he entered the transfer portal, really. And I think it was down to what Providence and Illinois. You said Matt. Yeah, his home state's Illinois. Yeah. So. And his father supposedly is very good friends with Coach Cooley. Yeah, you didn't hear anything for a while, right? Like, it was kind of almost like the announcement's coming, the announcement's coming, and then, like, you didn't hear anything for a while, and then, like, this weekend you heard it again, like, hey, the announcement's coming, and then it just happened. <laughs> like, it happened Sunday, man. Like, Friartown waiting a long time for this guy. Obviously, they pursued him last year, didn't get him. Um, but, man... Just huge, huge haul, huge little cherry on top for this enormous transfer portal haul. 
Portal Combat, as John Rothstein would refer it to. Yeah, I mean, the kid can play. I mean, for 40 minutes, he averaged eight and a half rebounds. You know, he can shoot the three a little bit. He can post up a little bit. He can get to the drive to the basket. He can score in so many different ways. And like I said, he's a great rebounder. But on top of that, he's, you know, six, 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 seven, six, eight. You know, I've seen him listed at those three different those three different heights. But he's strong as a bull. He's strong as a bull. He can guard whoever he wants to. You know, he's he's one of those type of guys. He's a tremendous fit. And, you know, he's a nice upside. Can't wait to see him. And he's got three years of eligibility. Yeah. That long. I was going to say, the beautiful thing about this, this transfer hall, man, is just you get three young guys, man, three guys that, you know, all have at least three years left if, you know, they decide to stay that long. And, um, just tremendous isn't this isn't going to be like last year where it's kind of like you know this is the year everything needs to be done with this group of guys you know what i mean like this core is going to stay together for a little while so uh, most of it i mean obviously you're going to lose guys you know yeah i mean when you have guys with that type of talent somebody's probably going to wind up leading early at some point to go to the nba somebody's going to transfer you know, a lot of things are going to happen. Guys don't stay four years like they do still in one place. Yeah, you're right. So those five guys come in. Um, Providence loses some end-of-the-bench guys, guys you never really got to see. Um, Bryson Goodine enters the transfer portal. He's still uh, to be determined. Same thing with Legend Geeter and uh, Mateus Case about a week ago entered and he transferred to uh, what William and Mary, I think it was. So yes, it was. Yeah. Good, you know, for, a good him. Place for him. You know, he seems like a great, a great teammate. I, I know for a fact, he's very, very, very smart. Does very well in school. You know, he didn't really get any playing time last year when he played five minutes total the entire season. From the best. He's got three years of eligibility remaining. That's a lot to him. No, Goodine's got two years, really. But he'll probably only play one more year of eligibility. And, you know, he could go to UMass. He's He's got the connection to UMass. Numerous connections. I mean, being a Massachusetts guy himself, Goodine, you know, he knows all the guys that are, all the local guys that are around there and, it's fairly close to home compared to some other options he might have. And on top of that, he's friends with their point guard, Noah Fernandez. And who wouldn't really – I mean, look what Frank Martin's doing with that program. As You know, in his first year there, he's changing the program all around, getting guys left and right. They're going to have – I know PC's got number one right now, but they're going to have a top ten recruiting class, or just not recruiting class, top ten transfer class, you ask. Yeah, dude, I mean, this is, I mean, obviously we don't want to jump the gun here, but this has like potential to be like, uh, like, like it's, it's gotta be the number one, like transfer hall in college basketball right now. And to be honest with you, there's a good chance it stays that way. um, Because just the simple fact it's not over yet. I mean, what? What do they have? Two scholarships open? What is it at now? They have two left. Yeah. So somebody else is going to make their way in here. Now, is it going to be another huge name? I don't know. I mean, we obviously had, you know, some pretty big news with somebody entering the transfer portal today or yesterday, right? Uh, former, former March Madness foe of the Friars. That Absolutely. The reports say they're in on. Everybody's at all. Yeah, a lot of people are. So. It's going to be tough, including Kansas. Yeah, this is Yeah, this isn't like when Hopkins entered the transfer portal and the Friars were like the assumed like favorites to land them kind of thing. I mean, they're just one of a lot of schools that are in. 
Yeah. And they're in on it for good reason. Absolutely play ball. Uh, and, and for those of you who don't know what we're talking about, we're talking about Baylor Shireman from South Dakota State, who I believe he had 18 in that tournament game this year against Providence. He's averaging 14 points and eight and a half rebounds per game. A very good shooting percentage against NCAA teams and major Division One uh, Power Five conference schools in his last two years. Yeah, I mean, would be would be huge. Obviously, you know, I mean, that would kind of just put them at like a new level. Okay, like. Yeah, uh, you know what I'm talking about. But, I mean, they're still there. They're still, like we were saying before, Matt, I mean, we were talking prior to the pod. I mean, this team this year after this haul could potentially be more, you can make the case it's more talented than last year's team. You know, absolutely, the experience isn't there um, in terms of, you know, years and all that. I mean, you got, you know, Croswell and Bynum and Breed. Well, let's be honest. Last year's team was older than a lot of NBA teams. And that's a serious comment. That's not just, you know, it's a proven serious comment. It's not just a comment that I'm making. You know, they were old last year. I mean, how many teams has seven guys that were 21 and older? Or eight guys on the roster that were 21 and older, something like that. I can't remember off the top of my head. I mean, that's in college. That's insane. Their average age, I think, was like 23 or 22, something like that. You don't see that. So, yeah, of course they're going to be younger. But they also have, what is it, four top, four former top 100 recruits as opposed to two guys that were in the top 200 coming out of high school. The talent level is definitely there this year. Whether you want to call it a match or an upgrade, it's definitely there. No doubt about that. Yeah. You kind of you're trading experience from last year for talent this year and um, you know, you could see a very similar result. I'm not saying it's going to be extremely difficult, I think, for this team to replicate the regular season that they had last year. You know, I don't expect them to only lose, you know, four or five games, whatever the hell it was. But they're going to compete. They're going to be one of the best teams in this conference. I mean, I didn't, I didn't see what like the updated rankings were after the Hopkins news, but after the Corey Floyd news on Saturday, um, I saw John Rothstein did like his top forty-five, and Providence was like the last ranked team, like forty-five, which made them like his sixth best team in the conference. He had Villanova, UConn, Xavier, Marquette, and uh, Creighton ranked ahead of Providence. And I was just like, yeah, six. I mean, you know, I mean, <laughs> I don't know about that, man. Like, uh, I mean, you can just, we're not going to sit here and go through what teams they might be better than in the conference right now. But I mean, you know, Villanova loses a lot of talent. They don't really replenish a whole lot, and they lose their head coach. Uh, Xavier Xavier, I don't give a shit. I mean, they were a ranked team up until January last year, and they ended up in the NIT championship. So don't give me that Xavier stuff. And then – Hey, man, at least they won a championship. Yeah, yeah, all right, good for that. <laughs> you know, UConn's UConn. We're not going to go into that right now. And, uh, yeah, I'm sure we have some, like, phantom UConn listeners from, like, you know – it's almost like they're fans the way that they come at us on Twitter. It's like, yo, like <laughs> we're a Friars podcast, by the way, and you give us, you know, more attention than you do like UConn accounts. So <laughs> it's a select few. Clowns. Clowns. Yeah. What do you expect? It'll be it'll be very similar. Um I th- I you know. They they should play in March. They should compete for another conference title. And uh, it'll be an exciting season. Listen, man, um, I really think 10 years from now or, like, whatever, at the end of Coach's, uh, Coach Cooley's tenure, 
at Providence because I really think he was just going to be a Providence for lifer. Um, we're going to look at the 21-22 season and we're going to say, you know, that's when it started for him. That's when it really started. And you can kind of almost go back to like the COVID year and stuff, but you know, that was more of a homegrown team and whatever. But I mean, the way the clout national coach of the year, um, just what they did last year, basically being ranked for the whole, you know, important part of the season, making a sweet 16 run. Um, you know, if, if all those things don't happen, you're not getting all five of the guys that you did to transfer here in these past few weeks. It's just, it, it doesn't happen. Um, oh, there's no doubt about yeah. that. Do, do you get three, maybe, maybe four of them? Like, I don't know, but I think you'd get, you know, most of them, but you're not getting all five of those guys without the season that you had last year. And you see it happening in the transfer portal now. And I think you're going to start seeing it when we're talking about recruiting guys out of high school, I think you're going to start seeing bigger names, better players uh, commit themselves to Providence, to be quite honest with you, because this team upcoming can make a very similar run as the team did last year. And they could exceed it. Yeah, exactly. And have it back with the, back with the amount of talent that they have, just playing talent and the fact that they have a cool as a coach, these guys want it. It's there to take. Yeah. In terms of that type of success. So I think this was just, Last year was so huge for Coach Cooley. I mean, he's going to set all the records in terms of, you know, Providence coaches and wins and everything. I mean, it's only going to take him a few more years to get that. Uh, he'll do the same thing with postseason wins. Um, I'm telling you, we're going to look at this thing in like 10 years and be like, wow, like it's almost going to be like a tale of two careers. I mean, don't get me wrong. His first 10 years, his first – his career prior to this year was still great. Right. I mean, he had, um, you know, he's got a conference championship, uh, conference tournament championship. Uh, he's got, you know, multiple NCAA appearances, but obviously could never get past that round of 32. But I really think it just changes from here on out, man, in terms of people coming to play at this school. Oh, absolutely. This, I don't think there's any question. About you that. see, you already seen it. Dude, the season, the season didn't even end a month ago. And just look at this team. I mean, dude, we recorded, what, three weeks ago? Like, we recorded right after the national championship game, our last pod. And I was skeptical about this team because the way the roster was, it wasn't very good. And whatever, I knew transfers were going to come in, but I didn't think we were going to get four top 100 recruit kind of transfers. Like, I mean, this team is absolutely – solidified as legit again like absolutely no, i mean they're, they're ranked they're ranked number one in the transfer portal right now of any team in college it'll be it'll be interesting to see if they get a um if they're a ranked team to start the season off i don't know if you know the committee is going to need to see them playing to see them you know see if they get lucky or not again but i mean this team is going to be a ranked team at some point this year. I can, you know, I mean, they're deep, bro. They are, <laughs> this team is like, well, I mean, what's Breed? The eighth, ninth guy coming off the bench? I mean, come I on. I think you're going to see, with Breed, I think that what you're going to see is you're either going to see a guy that's starting or you're going to see a guy that's not playing because I think it's going to be largely dependent on his offense. Yeah. I mean, you would like to see that kind of – and he, it got better at as the year went on, like more towards the end of the year. We started seeing more flashes of what he did his freshman year and stuff. But you're right. I mean, the, the early games in the season, the non-conference schedule is going to be big, uh, determining what his role is going to be when it comes to the big boy games. And honestly, with his – with his defense and his experience now in the system for, you know, going to be his third year. Um, I, I think, I think we're going to have a better breed year this year, to be honest with you. I have, my hopes are pretty, they're not extremely high for him, but um, you know, I have higher expectations than what, you know, what we saw last year. Yeah. I mean, look at, look what he was able to do as a freshman. You know, he had that, 18-point, 10-rebound game against Villanova as a freshman. 
you know, I mean, that says a lot about him as a person, about as you know, as a competitor, as as well as his ability. This past year, I mean, just missing layups, and it, it was just awful. You had to feel real bad for him. Yeah, it was a pretty big step back from that that run that he had um, in Big East play as a freshman when he was the starting point guard for a little bit there. And, you know, so let, let's, let's end off with this. So you and I have talked about this off the pod, you know, within the past few days and stuff, but um, just like a rotation, I mean, I know what you believe the starting five is going to be, but just, just, just tell it to the people. Go ahead. What What do you see being, you know, the starting five. Um, and I'm not even just talking about, like, like I said, game one versus Sacred Heart. You know what I mean? Like, in November. Like, you know, what do you think the starting five will or just, like, should be? It'll be Devin Carter, Noah Locke, Bryce Hopkins, Ed Croswell, and either Raphael Castro or Clifton Moore. It'll be... Whether it there's going to be some combination of the two of Moore, Croswell, and Castro, I think that you're going to see Moore and Croswell starting over Castro, both the two of them. And the reason for that is because of experience, and Ed likes to go with experience, especially early on in the season and down the stretch. You know, I think that we've seen, <laughs> I mean, you don't have to be the national coach of the year to see Dave the value of an experienced player. Yeah. Um, I think, so obviously we touched on it before. I mean, Moore and Croswell are very playable together. Um, especially, you know, it would be like having like the twin towers down there on defense, but on offense, you know, more brings a lot more than, you know, Nate Watson would offensively um so it makes them a lot more playable it's just do you think i mean thing is if you start croswell and more you don't really have a backup center on the bench sure. right well i mean then you can go in one of two directions one of them comes out of the game the other one's still at center or slides over to center however you want to put it and then you either have Hopkins at the four and you bring in another guard or you bring in Castro, just put him at the four. Yeah. You have options. I would like you don't to have to play them both at the same time for 40 minutes. With their with their open scholarships, I would like to see them get another big guy, whether it's a guy that plays this year or, you know, doesn't and, you know, plays next year when our big man depth is shot even more. Um, yeah, no, I definitely think that, you know, if they don't get Shireman, or if they do get Shireman, regardless, or if they were to get another guy, you know, another impact player from this year, I think they need to get a big guy that they can reach up for you. Even if they want to go after the Ugana Kingsley, who's a guy that's a story for another time, big five-star recruit center for next season, uh, well, the 23-24 season, you know, even if they want to go out and get him, and start him at center next, you know, not this coming season, but the season after. They got to have something with experience, and I would prefer a center from that's already played in Cooling system for a year, even if it's just in practice. That's why I think they got to go get a redshirt center. Yeah, that's uh, I. I totally understand that line of thinking and it, it would be very smart to do that because obviously losing more, uh, this is, this is Ed's last year, correct? Yes. It's Ed's last year. It's Moore's last year. I mean, Bynum's got a COVID year the year after this coming year, but and will he use it? Who knows? Yeah. And then who else? Let's see. Let's go through. Let's go through the positions. So we already said Bynum. Carter's got three years of eligibility, and then Lock. Lock's gone. Lock's gone after this year. But that's it. So it's just more Croswell, Lock, and then 
potentially buying him. More. And more. Yeah. So you're gonna you're gonna need some you're gonna need big guys after this year, man. And I would really like to see them try to get another guy to add a little bit more to the depth, but I mean you know. Cause Castro, I mean, we haven't seen him play, but I'm not just looking at him, I'm not sure if he's gonna be able to really hold his own down on the block defensively. Well, the thing is, he has the length. He does. That's what makes him think. Just you know, seems, maybe he'll be able to. Yeah. I think his length will be able to make up for some of the um, physicality disadvantages, I think. I mean, he's just so freaking skinny. His legs are so skinny. Like, I I might weigh more than him. <laughs> <laughs> like. Something. Yeah, he's like... Uh, over, he's probably almost like a foot and a half taller than me. Like, I don't know. I'm just kind of worried about the interior defense, like a little bit, because obviously it could be like a Noah situation, I feel like. Like, obviously, we all love Noah. He was great offensively, great rebounder, but, you know, dudes were able to get their own against him. I mean, we saw that in March. You know what I mean? Um, Absolutely. Just and- look- Came with that. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I mean, there's only so much you can do up to a certain point. And they're gonna miss them. Don't don't get me wrong, they're gonna miss Noah Clear, but they bring a different level of talent now, you know. You can't complain with that. Yeah. So all right. I mean, Portal Combat, not necessarily over, but you know, after after this kind of haul, um, wouldn't really be surprised if it is. But man, just potential to be a legendary haul, uh, and right now shaping up to be the best in college basketball. Ed freaking oh, market, of course. Ed freaking Cooley, man, just incredible. So we'll come at you guys again. Um, some more transfer news. Obviously, we don't really expect anybody else to probably be transferring out. I mean. The only scenario in which I can see somebody transferring out yeah. is I would, it would have to be Breed. Yeah. And it would have to be if they were to get a guy, um, you know, a real true impact guy of some sort that's going to really – Right away, cut into minutes. Yeah, like Shireman. Like Shireman. Mm-hmm. That would be the only case. Yeah, I'm leaning towards him being a friar this year, but yeah, me too. Me too. Could see it. Could it could happen? Could could. PC would have to hit a home run. Would have to hit a home run in order for him to have, for him to want to leave. I think. You know yeah. that he'd really have to be told, "Yeah, you're not going to play this year that much. It might not be in a rotation." Agreed, and then at that point you couldn't even blame him. So, yeah, of course. Well, I mean, if you look at the team, you have a uh, so many options this year. It's to the point where talent-wise, anyways, I mean, sure, you have a lot of young guys, guys that we transfers that we really haven't seen, but you look, you have so many different styles of basketball that you can be capable of playing. If you really think about it, it's incredible. Truly incredible. Yeah. They're going to be able to mix and mash. They're going to be able to slide guys from the three to the four, the two to the three, wherever, you know, depend on matchup, what they want to do defensively, if they want to get more shooting in the game kind of thing. I mean, they're going to have a lot of options. Um, you know, pretty similar to last year, man. And that's just what's so great about having, you know, all this depth. That's the freaking hall, man. I can't believe it. When we were on this podcast like three weeks ago, I was like shitting my pants about what this team was going to look like this year. And now like I couldn't be more confident that uh, in our title defense run for this year. Yeah, absolutely. It's it's definitely, you know, I know the season just ended, but I can't wait. 
I can't wait. This team is this is gonna this has the potential to be the best team I've ever seen them have. Yeah. And, you know, my father's been my father's been paying attention to PC long since before we were born and he agrees with me. You know, we've seen them all since the John Thompson days when he was a little kid. You know, that's that's going back quite a ways. A lot of potential, a lot of talent, a lot of potential. And, uh, well, in about uh, seven months, we'll see how it plays out. So, there'll be a long time waiting. A long time waiting. Yeah. What happens in between them, though? I mean, we can't really – good or bad, you can't blame Cooley for any – you know, if, if the season goes bad, it's not on Cooley. No. Of course not. I mean, he, he did his job, right? And we know if they don't live up to expectations, it's not going to be because of a botched coaching job. You know what I'm saying? It's going to be the way guys mesh. I mean, you, you you need the same mindset from these dudes that you got from your team last year, and the sky's the limit. Seriously. 110%. I couldn't have said it better myself. Seriously. But all right, any more transfer news? Uh, we'll come back to you guys. Obviously, it's off season; it's a slow season, so we're gonna try to find stuff to kind of uh, fill the weeks here and there. Um, you know, I mean, we'll try to get back to you. We'll try to get to you guys about like once a month. I mean, we'll see with news, like we said, but we don't really expect- breaking news. You know, he's nowhere to get it. Yeah, I mean, we'll see, man. But hey. Get at us on Twitter. Uh, we're getting up near 400 followers. Huge. Huge. So, huge for Twitter, us. Instagram. Yeah. IG. Like I said, you know, we always plug our social media at the end of these pods. But uh, get us get ass on both. I mean, if you really want to go on Twitter and uh, you'll basically be talking to Matt the whole time. But, you know, get us there. Very, <laughs> very active with you guys. And, um you know, maybe if there's like a transfer or something, if it's just like one more kind of not so major move. Um, maybe I we'll love do- you all until you disagree with it. Yeah, yeah. Maybe we'll do like a space <laughs> or something. And uh, that, that's a good way to get with you guys. Um, it's a lot more efficient way of having conversation than tweeting. And, uh, you know, you can kind of weed out the trolls when you're in a space. So. I get to choose who's able to speak there, so. You want to be able to share ideas. Yeah. I like to have the authority of running a space. I like being able to tell people I'm right there wrong. <laughs> oh, I know. <laughs> Especially people with check marks near their name. Oh, yeah, I love it. They're my prime <laughs> targets. But, all right, off-season time. You guys know where to get us then. Listen to us. Here when uh when 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 we do our thing and uh we're on Twitter every single day so hit us up there but from Matt Shaker I'm Nate Carrero FTP out. Let's go Friars. <laughs>